Welcome to Rhode Island Avenue Radio, where we'll talk about news, education, and opportunities for small businesses on the Rhode Island Avenue Main Street and in Washington, D.C. I'm Michelle Yancey. And I'm Kyle Todd. Welcome to Rhode Island Avenue Radio. Good morning, everyone, and welcome back to another episode of Rhode Island Avenue Radio, episode 101. It's so easy to keep count now, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> it's like starting all over again. How you yeah. doing, Michelle? I'm doing great. How are you? Good. And hello to Rodney back there on the board, keeping us all um, organized and sounding... And sounding great. Yes. Yeah. Uh, so uh, good morning to all the listeners, and um, welcome back. Thanks for hanging in for now 101 episodes. In case you did not hear the last last week's episode, our 100th episode, Um Reminder that we've got some Rhode Island Avenue Radio swag that we're going to give away, but you got to you got to do something for us. You got to go over to the iTunes Store and you got to give us a rating and maybe some feedback, and uh, and then shoot me an email, Kyle at riamainstreet.org, and uh, and let me know you did that, and we'll send you some Rhode Island Avenue Radio swag. How does that sound? Sounds great. It's it's it, awesome stuff. Too. It's so easy to do. You're already listening. Just subscribe. There you go. Subscribe. You know, give us a thumbs up or five stars or what is the rating over there? Anyway, just just what, say nice things. Say nice things about us. Or give us very, or give us some constructive feedback. Constructive yeah. feedback because we're sensitive. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Not really. Okay. Anyway, um, as always, we are thrilled to um, thank our sponsors, the Department of Small and Local Business Development and the Department of Housing and Community Development. It is their grant dollars to us that allow us to produce Rhode Island Avenue Radio, and those dollars also allow us to provide um, training and education and storefront improvement grants to all of the small businesses in the Rhode Island Avenue Main Street Corridor. Um if you are a small business that's going, hey, what do you mean you're giving out grants? Um, head over to our website, riamainstreet.org, uh, and click under For Businesses, and you'll see the array of services that we offer um, to you, business owners, to help make sure that your business stays competitive in the ever-changing D.C. economy. Um, so again, thanks to DHCD and DSLBD for the grant dollars that help us put on programs like this. Um, and a couple of quick announcements, um, this warmer weather, um, when it's not making me think about, you know, bikini season and the fact that I'm in no way, shape or form ready for my speedo. <laughs> oh God. <laughs> Will you ever be, let's hope you're never ready for the speedo. I, I'm, I'm kidding about okay, the speedo. Good. That wouldn't, I would never do that to the world. Thank God. Um, no. Um, so, uh, it, it, warm weather always makes me think of, of porch fest. Oh yeah. Yep. Our, our annual music event, um, is scheduled for April 14th, Saturday, April 14th from two to four, excuse me, 2 to 6 p.m., um, various business and residential porches throughout the Rhode Island Avenue Main Street community. Um, it's always a good time. There's always lots of great music. I'm amazed, always amazed at the level of fantastic musical talent that exists here in this area. We have a ton of talent. We do. And um, we are lucky enough to be able to showcase them uh, for Porch Fest. April 14th, Saturday, April 14th, from 2 to 6 p.m. Head over to our website and get more information. And um, May 16th, then, is not far behind. That's a Wednesday evening for our annual meeting. 
Uh, it is an annual showcase of all of the work that we've done um, throughout the year, and we have an opportunity to showcase area restaurants and um, and businesses. Uh, so there's always good food. I think we're going to have a silent auction this time. Oh, nice. Yeah. Um, there's so many good things, um, businesses in the area that want to participate, but you know, we can't necessarily have a yoga demonstration, for instance. Uh, but we, we maybe we'll have a gift certificate that you can bid on at a silent auction to, to take a couple of yoga classes. Uh, so Wednesday evening, May 16th, and this year we're going to host it at, um, art enables, which everybody loves when we have events at art enables, which is, they're one of the great art galleries on our corridor. They have a beautifully renovated new space. Oh, have uh, they finished? They've, they, they have finished the uh, main gallery in the front. They're still working on the basement area, uh, which is going to be a whole nother event space. It's it's fantastic, and uh, they have such a great mission. So it's good that yes, we have that in our community. Yes, uh, so put those two events on your calendar, and um, and there you go. That's that's what we got coming up. Okay, it is time to check in with Casey at Good Food Markets. Good morning, Casey. Good morning, Kyle. Good morning, Michelle. Good morning. How are you today? I'm doing okay. How about you guys? I'm doing fine. I was about to say we're doing great, but. How are you, Kyle? <laughs> yeah. Okay, good. It's been a it's been a tumultuous week now with the yeah. with the weather changes and everything yeah. happening in the news. But but, uh, but this warmer weather, this this phenomenally warmer weather, makes one think about you know fresh veggies and fruits. Yes, yes. Yeah, right. It's unbelievable. People have been coming in in their shorts and short sleeve shirts. Everyone's running and biking. It's really nice to see. It <laughs> is. I know that. Um, even if it's not sunny out, um, as long as it's warmer, I'm feeling pretty good. Yes, and the time is uh, slowly, the days are growing oh, longer. Oh, I you I get love. out and it's still light outside. It's amazing. Right. Yeah, these longer days, you really can't wait for. Um, you know that we're wait. on a winter schedule right now for mm-hmm. hours. So on weekends, we close at 8 o'clock um, because it's just no one's coming out in the cold and the dark. Um, but I can't wait to push it back to nine o'clock and have those long nights. Oh, it feels so good. Very good. So what's going on at the market? Yeah. So it's been, it's been an interesting produce season. I mean, I feel like every time I talk to you guys about produce, it's, um, you know, we, we've never seen anything like this. It's, it's never been hotter. There's never been more rain. Um, and then the growing cycles are really just all over the place. You know, we will have extremely high avocado prices and then really low avocado prices and, it's because the farmers couldn't predict what was going to happen with the weather. So what's interesting now in the world of produce um, is that uh, the southeastern United States, who is in you know their full swing of produce production right now, um, this is when all of those farms really make their money, um, is, is the northeast winter, um, where we really can't grow very much. We're going off of storage crops. Um, and they've got the perfect condition. It's too hot in the summer for them to grow anything. Um, so they take advantage of this cooler weather for them um, to really have a good harvest. And especially in places like Florida, um, where you saw um, Irma come through this past season, mm-hmm. um, a lot of the agriculture there was was in really bad shape. People were, were scared for the fruit crops. Um, they didn't know what was going to happen to citrus. They didn't know if they would even have um, greenhouses this season, mm-hmm. um, but with a lot of really good preparation and, and honestly good work on the state's part, um, people are doing pretty well considering um, this season. The weather has been relatively mild for them, 
Um, so as a result, um, here in D.C., in our grocery store, you can see that we have really good prices on Florida produce. So the, the citrus and all that is still coming from California, but say um, broccoli and cabbage and cucumbers, um, peppers, these things are coming from Florida, sometimes Mexico, um, but we're really trying to get as much Florida as possible. You know, really those strawberries, too. Um, that's a huge moneymaker for Florida. Um, and the state really needed it after what happened to them last season. And it's so that's and, what we're dealing with here. <laughs> and, and we all win because delicious <laughs> we food. all win. Um, and as a native Floridian, you know, it is it is important to me to uh, try and help the economy in any way that I can. Um, but it, it it can be somewhat misleading, right? I know that folks will come in here, and uh, it's always a conversation of, well, like, how do you guys have? these kinds of prices in the middle of winter. Like, where's this stuff coming from? You know, people give me this look like, <laughs> where did you get it? How is it growing? You know, <laughs> uh, which is which is totally a legitimate question. Um, they're right to ask that. Um, and it's just understanding uh, the very diverse landscape that we live in um, and, and how the growing cycle can benefit us even in the winter. That, sure, there are miles on that, but it's kind of a, a pick-your-poison situation. Where do you, where do you decide um, to to draw the line and, and what kind of impact you want to have on the environment. Um, I think that, you know, for us having good health for our families, being able to still get broccoli and salad greens and spinach, um, you know, you, you do what you can to stay healthy. Yeah. And, and uh, I was in there the other night to get some stuff and uh, the little packages of fresh herbs. Um, oh yeah. Those, those are, you know, a great way to, to, feel like you've got a little bite of summer in there. For sure. I, I got we've some been, of um, We've been selling seeds on discount, too, and there's lots of herbs in those packets. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, to, like, if you're getting tired of your beets and your potatoes and your sweet potatoes and turnips, like, if you make a little, uh, like, an herb dressing, there's so many different recipes online for, like, chimichurris or pestos. Um, yeah, you add like a little bit of citrus and some herbs. Oh my god! And you've like totally changed a really boring winter root veg dish that you've probably had. Yeah, you know, it's dozens a, of times now. It, it totally can wake you it up and make you up. feel a whole lot better. Absolutely, yeah. you got to mix it up, right? Um, Casey, please remind listeners where they can find all the good stuff at Good Food Markets. Mm-hmm. So come and see us. We're still on our winter hours, but we're uh, very excited to change that soon. Um, we're open from 9 a.m. to 9 p.m. on Monday through Friday, 8 a.m. to 8 p.m. on Saturday and Sunday. And we're at the corner of 20th and Rhode Island. Um, we're open seven days a week. You can find us online at goodfoodmarkets.com. And we are on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Sounds good. Thanks, Casey. Great. Thanks, Thanks Casey. Take care. So, Michelle, you know that we are not just about economic revitalization. We're not just about storefront improvement programs. Uh, the Main Streets program originally was was created by the National Trust for Historic Preservation. And, and Main Streets all across the country work very hard at preserving the community, their community's history. And um, so I'm thrilled to um to have our guest join us today he is working on a a very significant history project right here on rhode island avenue main street um so welcome to neighbor and artist charles bergen welcome charles thank you thanks Charles. um yeah thanks for joining us today 
So Charles is working on, Charles, you're working on the restoration of six of the historic emergency call boxes on Rhode Island Avenue, yes? Yes, there are uh, five uh, fire alarm call boxes and one police call box. Very cool. And I know people that live in the area know what I'm talking about, but we have listeners outside of the area um, that maybe aren't familiar with what we're talking about. Would you uh, give a brief history of those things? Sure. So... um, before everyone had telephones and cell phones, in order to uh, contact the police or for the police to call for a paddy wagon, there would be these uh, cast iron call boxes that were um, had phones in them that were hardwired to uh, various uh, central points in the city. And uh, you know these are obviously a 19th century uh, creation, but they were used in the district up until the early 70s uh, for the fire department. I think the last ones were disconnected uh, 70, 72. Um, so we have five of the, as I said, five of the, uh, fire, fire boxes and, and one of the police call boxes there. And, uh, we've been, uh, removing the, the lead paint. There's probably about nine coats on some of them wow. of lead paint, um, and, um, uh, doing any metal repairs that are required, uh, priming them. And then they're being repainted. And, uh, one of the call boxes, the one actually in front of the, uh, fire, uh, house at 1340 uh, Rhode Island Avenue is going to be put back pretty much the way it was. There was some uh, little couple of you know, sort of local enhancements. Uh, and then the other call boxes will have historical, cultural themes, uh, themed artwork on them. Well, let's go, let's go box by box. So uh, box number one um, is uh, down near the, the red line tracks. Uh, uh, for those of you in the area down there in front of um, the new um, – so. Brookland Press uh, area, just practically right under the uh, yeah, Mount Calvary it, uh, exactly. Christian Academy. Exactly. It's right in front of Mount Calvary Christian Academy, right at 8th Place, where the old uh, tire store, which just shut down, was. Um, so is that one a police box or a fire box? That one's a police box, uh, so it's a round one, mm-hmm. and they originally uh, were painted blue on right, top. Right, right. The yeah. fire ones were red. The fire ones were red, mm-hmm. and, and the fire ones had a uh, pole as well as a light, an orange light. Uh, the police call boxes did not. They just had a um, an ornamental knob on top. They didn't have a pipe or a light. Um, and um, so the police call boxes are solid. They're sort of like a lozenge shape up top, uh, but they don't um, they don't um, um, go all the way through. There's not a harp. Uh, I know you, some of you have seen the old fire call boxes, and the old uh, the fire alarm box that was inside of it. Um, looked like a little house, you know, with a pediment, a little classical uh, traditional house or a shed. Um, the, the, so those, um, the, the police call boxes don't have that. So what we're doing here is, is because it's so close to the, the, the subway and the railway and the bike trail there, we're celebrating that trail. Uh, so it's the, uh, Metropolitan, the, Me- the Metropolitan Branch Trail. So we're, we have a map there um, of really the area from Union Station on up to Silver Spring, um, it's red and white, and then the um, various um, subway uh, locations are called out, as well as major streets uh, on that piece. Um, and each um, each call box will have a plaque describing what it is, as well as a link to my website, which provides more historical information. Great, great. Yeah. Uh, so that's box one. Uh, box two is right there in the same Box two area. is right next to it, and uh, that box is probably this is a good point to talk about the uh, Mara Chikaski, who's been uh, the urban historian who's been working with us on this pro- uh, project. Uh, Mara, I work with on a lot of projects, and 
she does great uh, research and, and, and gives us a lot of uh, feedback and ideas as to what uh, historical events or locations we can celebrate in the public art. So this one um, is about um, the Rhode Island uh, trolley uh, itself. Uh, so it, it, um, if it, those of you who remember DC Transit, uh, the box is painted in the same uh, color uh, as uh, the um, uh, the old DC Transit um, uh, pieces. So it's like green. Yeah, green. There was a gray. There was a red. Uh, so those are the, the colors there. Uh, we have a, a metal uh, uh, stencil up, up above, um, sort of where the light was, but quite wide, about two feet wide, of a sort of a side view of one of the old um, streetcars. Uh, and then it um, down below we have a, a scene of people getting on the streetcar, um, just to sort of reenact what might have happened there. Nice. Uh, so that goes on there. Uh, and then the, we even have some of the old token uh, shapes uh, will be cut out across the bottom. Nice. Yeah, so that's sort of fun. And, uh, and again, these are water jet cut metal. These pieces are three pieces, actually five pieces. Um, uh, and so you can see them uh, from either side uh, of the, uh, the metal piece. So, yeah. yeah, it'd be like a, the, the side view of the streetcar is like kind of a topper on the, exactly. on the thing. So you, you can see it whether you're walking by on the sidewalk or driving by in your car. Yeah, or across the street, yeah. that sort yeah. of thing. Or even from the, the windows of the housing. Across so the how is it ultimately decided what is going to go in each box? I know you said that you work with a historian, but how do you all decide if there are three or four things that have happened in an area? Well, we um, wanted to, uh, we typically choose the things that we think were the most important and the most generally accessible. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, one person suggested Chuck Brown. Well, Chuck Brown has a connection to Chuck Brown Park, but the location of Chuck Brown Park um, isn't really based on him having grown up there or living there. It's mm-hmm. just a place for the... So, for example, that was one of the possibilities. Uh, and as there's already a tremendous um, um, memorial to Chuck Brown in the park, we decided, for example, not to do Chuck Brown because mm-hmm. it... Uh, but we did uh, propose in the last call box, I'm getting ahead of myself here, but Bo Diddley, who was an entertainer in the mm-hmm. 40s, 50s, and 60s, he had a studio on the uh, north side of Rhode Island Avenue, just um, east of uh, South Dakota Avenue. Yep. Um, so, um, and that, that uh, call box celebrates Bo Diddley. Yeah, that, that is the call box at uh, South Dakota and Rhode Island Avenue. Yes. And that is... I. I'm so looking forward to this design. Talk about that design. We'll so, come back to the other one. So uh, Bo Diddley um, loved to wear these bright red checked uh, sport coats, and he also made his own guitars. And uh, they weren't just in the standard shape of the of Gibson, the Gibson guitar at the time, but they were um, big uh, rectangles or triangles or different shapes. So what we thought would we would make the call box from – uh, the street looked like one of his guitars. Yeah. So there are strings, strings shown on it. Uh, on the top, we uh, have made a guitar neck out of metal, and that's going to be painted. Uh, it's, it's been painted black, and it's going to be welded up where the, um, the old light was. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then on the front, um, uh, we have um, a bronze relief of Bo Diddley playing with one of his uh, accompaniers. Uh, and so that's going to be cast there. And then um, those of you who know the call box as well, uh, you know that the, the, from the ground up, there are these eight panels, sort of geometric panels that taper up. And they're two and a half inches. The, the inner part is two and a half inches wide and flat. And so we have, uh, we're getting stencils cut and uh, 
Bo Diddley's songs will names of his songs will be there, mm-hmm. uh, so people will be able to see that. And and uh, so so that was one where it was a sort of obvious that that that, he, that was an important cultural. Right. Um, uh, he was a cultural icon that we wanted to celebrate. So and and, and you're taking on some some deeper history bites uh, that aren't always yes. pleasant. Uh, so box number. Th- Box three, which is going back down, um, down near the uh, Home Depot on Rhode Island Avenue, on, yeah, on the south side of the street, Columbian Harmony Cemetery. Yes, that's correct. That's just past the bank on on the right as you go out of town, and the um, before the the Home Depot and the big shopping center was there, there was a large African American uh, cemetery, the Columbian Har- Harmony Cemetery, and. Um, it was relocated in the 50s, and, and sadly, the, the contract to relocate uh, the cemetery only included the, uh, the coffins and the remains and not the gravestones. And people, I, I don't think were aware of this at the time, or I don't know how, all the details of how it happened, but so the, the gravestones and the markers were lost, and uh, the, the, the cemetery, you know, the below-ground elements of the cemetery were, were relocated. But so for decades, uh, the family members... Uh, didn't know where the gravestones were. And sadly, they were found uh, along the banks of the Potomac River by a <sighs> photographer being used uh, as riprap. So the contractor who had um, uh, relocated the cemetery had sold them to somebody or used them himself to, to make riprap, which is to prevent erosion along the Potomac. So the um, call box here um, is um, based on some of the photographs that we saw of those um, of those gravestones. And it's a, 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 a very simple gravestone uh, from a, a wife to her husband. Or she, she calls him her, her beloved. Uh, and then it's set. Um, uh, there's some on either side of the gravestone. You can see rocks. Um, and again, um, the, the the call boxes don't allow for a lot of text there because there's <laughs> they're mostly curved shapes or very few flat shapes. Mm-hmm. And um, so then there'll be a a QR code that'll link people to my website for more historic information. Good. Good. That's history. Isn't always pretty. No, No, it's not, but it's history. It is. So, so important to, to remember it. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Uh, and you alluded to box number four in front of the fire station, uh, as you're going to be renovating that back to its uh, original usage. Um, and uh, that brings us to box number five, and that will be in the 2100 block of Rhode Island Avenue. Yes, and, and uh, the, the, uh, it's the 2100 block, and it's the south side of the street. And that block is, is probably one of the blocks where it, there's um, all the retail uh, spaces are, are, are still full, fill, and they're the lower historic um, heights. And so we really wanted to celebrate the old uh, historic retail nature of Rhode Island Avenue. Um, so this um, uh, has a topper like the uh, like the streetcar um, artwork, and it has a profile of of the of the streetscapes of, of the so the roofscapes. And then down below, there's a uh, a fun um, based on a photograph that we saw of a, a menswear store uh, which had a one of those sort of walk-in windows, so it sort of maximized the display space. It's so different from today where mm-hmm. everything's on the Internet and more details are on the Internet. So they wanted to maximize their um, 
window space. So it's a sort of recessed. You'd walk in, so you'd see both from the front and the sides, the right, other side. Right. And so we have cutouts of, of again, it's in metal, of, of various pieces of clothing. Um, and then we have the um, name of the store, um, both frontwards and backwards on the plaques, on the artwork, so that as someone parks and walks in from the street, they understand what it's about. Nice. Um, so Nice. Very nice. Yeah. Uh, oh, can I add one thing? Absolutely. Uh, yeah, on that one, uh, what we did was we uh, were also going to add the names of various um, uh, old um, uh, retail establishments along the, the, uh, the avenue. So there's a grocer and a hardware store and various things like that. Yeah, yeah. A pharmacist, um, real estate and builder uh, at 2020 where the Masonic Temple building is now. Um, good stuff. And so this this total of six uh, call boxes uh, that you're renovating this is this is not an inexpensive venture to do this. Uh, how is this being funded? Um, it's uh, it's being uh, funded uh, very generously by the DC Commission on the Arts and Humanities. They have a, a grant program called uh, Public Art Building Communities, which uh, engages the community uh, and an artist in in creating uh, public uh, art. And so it's a fifty thousand dollar grant that's covering that work, yeah. um, and uh, it's <laughs> going to spend all that just on the lead paint <laughs> removal. <laughs> well, uh, that's it. I was going to make that point. <laughs> <laughs> the lead that is not an insubstantial amount, uh, and I think when they first there was a um, art on call, there was a well. The, the, what they were going to do with the call boxes is they were going to remove them, and um, various people. I think uh, Joe Sternlieb, who was involved with the downtown bid at that point and some and uh, i think uh, uh mayor williams got involved and they they uh, stopped them from being removed and they gave the money to local communities the money they were going to spend on removing them to local communities so there have been other uh, some very really neat um art projects in other areas mm-hmm. mount pleasant uh cleveland park um you know throughout the city uh during the call boxes but one of the things that i noticed was that they while the artwork was great they hadn't necessarily um uh, removed the lead paint, prepared the paint surface, so that was peeling quite quickly. Yeah, and we wanted it to last. So, so uh, Charles, how did you get involved in this project? Well, I was at a community meeting and uh, talking about my work, and I think Kyle, I'd sent an email out to the listserv, and Kyle followed up with me, uh, and we, uh, uh, with with Mara, we went out for a walk along um, the avenue and talked about various uh, locations and ideas. Um, and then I submitted for the grant uh, with, with Kyle's help and obviously a number of other uh, the local ANCs supporting letters. And um, uh, Brandon Bailey was one of the designers on the artwork. Uh, he's a, an architect, uh, artist that I work with. And um, Mara had come up with various ideas that we sort of sifted through. And you've been working on this for a while now. I mean, God, you know, as you mentioned, the, the lead paint removal alone has been an super long process for you yeah it, there it was um there was um some paperwork delays with the grant so we were sort of uh, suspended the work for about three months until we got the paperwork from the city uh but then um after that we've been going ahead and, and working along and it's been a neat project just um, um for example the um the call box manufacturer was called Gamewell, sort of just doing research on that and um they were you know nationwide and just seeing various um uh, you know different elements and support how they did these call boxes it's been really neat what was the condition of the of the metal underneath the paint was it was it in pretty good condition it it was surprisingly in good condition there's no 
really no major cracks or flaws uh, in the cast. They iron. don't make stuff like they used to. <laughs> I, I figured that that would be yeah. in, in the case. Yeah, no, it's they're very solid. And uh, the contractor who who did it, he said it, it was substantial. There was nine coats of paints on on some of them. Ooh, and, wow! And uh, to, to you know properly dispose of it. So when are these uh, looking to slated to be finished? Or I'm sure at different stages. Well, we're, we're we're the bulk of them are going to be done. Uh, towards the end of this month oh, we're going to get the water jet pieces back and those will be installed um we're um the the bronze casting may be a little little while longer just to get that cast properly um we're in the process of of uh locating a, a game well uh front uh for the the fire alarm call box uh for the police call box so if anyone uh, knows about that um any fronts that they have we've We've checked with a lot of different locations with the EMS Museum, the fire department, uh, that, that fire station, and just haven't been able to find them. Uh, what you can find online are lots of these the call boxes, which people remember that were mounted to telephone poles mm-hmm. or to building walls. Mm-hmm. And they're slightly different. They're actually slightly wider. Um, so we need a specific uh, front. So it's a DC firebox front. If anyone has one, that would be great to so just in our neighborhood alone there's so many of these um call boxes within the neighborhood that are in various states of disrepair uh, some of them like damaged like they've been hit by a car or something mm-hmm. and I, yeah. I wonder if maybe those would be a good option for harvesting uh some parts well so i think um i don't know exactly what went on but i think perhaps when they took the um when they disabled the call boxes, they may have taken the fronts off of them. I'm mm-hmm. not sure about that. I, you know, I was uh, nine years old back then. So, um, but um, it's not. Uh, it's it's just the real the front where the white um, uh, fire alarm pull lever was. That it's sort of the face of the call box. Mm-hmm. So I haven't seen any ever. And I grew up here in the district. I haven't ever seen any okay. in place. Uh, maybe there were some back in the day. Uh, um, I think any, any of the ones in, within the neighborhood are. I think they're way gone. I'm yeah. sure. Yeah. 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 You know what I found interesting while doing uh, research for this show? That uh, in certain cities, they still use these call boxes. New York, San Francisco. Really? Yeah. I, I yeah, they that. do. Okay. So that's kind of interesting. But I yeah. love that we are repurposing them and uh, getting some historical knowledge yeah. as well. Yeah, and beautiful art. Yeah. I yeah. Think, yeah. I, I, and listeners, I'll be posting the pictures uh, Charles sent over uh, a document with you know renderings of the call boxes, so we'll be putting that up on on our website, so everybody can get a sneak preview. And Great. I'm sure we'll, we'll have a grand unveiling yes. uh, when they're all done. Um, very excited about that, and um, so everybody gets this little surprise announcement right now. Uh, we're working on um, uh, an app for Rhode Island Avenue Main Street for your phone, uh, and it will have a business directory in it um so you can get hold of any of the businesses via your this this phone app um but it'll also have some um some tours on there and so we're planning on putting all oh, great. the call great. boxes yeah, as a tour yeah. uh which will of course link back to your website sure um and uh we'll have the porch fest map will be on there for the performances and things like that uh but i'm super excited one of the reasons why we chose this particular app um layout was so that we could have the uh the call boxes as a history walking tour okay great great i'm very excited about that um so 
you mentioned the the uh, aluminum cutout, the water, water jet. Is yes, it? yes. So how involved of a process is that? That doesn't seem like something that's going to happen super quickly either. <laughs> um, no, actually, the, once, once the files, once the computer files are created, it's a fairly quick um, process. Um, the, the computer files, the DXF files, uh, really are a roadmap for this machine. Uh, it's a flat um, bed, uh, and basically it's water uh, with grit in it. So think of sort of liquid sandpaper. Mm-hmm. And it's 50 or 60,000 PSI. Um, they can cut through uh, eight inches of steel with this uh, device. Wow. So, um, you know, a quarter inch of aluminum is easy for them. And uh, they like working with aluminum because it, um, although it's a more expensive material, it cuts uh, more quickly. Um, and so that's quite quite quick. We should have them back in, in a couple weeks. And um, it's a firm out in Virginia uh, called Fabritech. Um, unfortunately, I haven't been able to find a water jet uh, fabricator here in the district. Uh, you know, we are using CBE contractors uh, for the, the painting work, um, uh, but uh, we haven't found a local person. And they do work for the, the defense industry, so they're a very high standard of, of work. They're not an art fabricator, but uh, they do work uh, with us on, on art projects, and they're very detailed. So will those segments then be painted, or is it like an anodized colored aluminum? No, no, sorry. Uh, not, they will be uh, powder-coated. Okay. Uh, so the, the, the aluminum, uh, so these are the pieces that are going inside the call box harps. Uh, so they're, they're um, three um, sort of house facade shaped uh, artworks going in the houses, uh, in, the, in the harps. And then up top, there'll be carbon steel uh, pieces, oh, a okay. little thicker, and All those right. will be welded. Um, uh, but uh, no, the aluminum, you know, pr- typically when I do this, the water jet, the, working with the aluminum is better. And also if, excuse me, if any uh, paint comes off and they don't rust then. Right. So then we, we just have to repaint them rather than mm. get the rust off, which is good. Very yeah. good. Yeah. So, Charles, what type of other artwork do you do aside from the call boxes? Well, I, um, I, um, I've done a lot of wood carving. That was sort of my, my thing in, in when I was a little kid and in high school. And actually a lot of the, the, the images on my website of wood carvings are, are, are from that period. Um, I want to get more into doing uh, the larger public art pieces. Uh, we did the... Um, the dragon dance down in Chinatown, the big dragons across mm. across the uh, the sidewalk there, uh, the uh, sorry the crosswalks. Yeah, um, those are. I'd like to get uh, the, so those are sort of a large two dimensional piece, but they have a three dimensional quality because uh, people walk across them and they operate the street. Uh, we're working um, with the city of Bowie for their centennial uh, memorial. It's a big uh, three large panels are also water jet called Past, Present, Future, and so it tells the history of Bowie and. Uh, there's a present panel and a future panel, so that's been fun. Uh, we just got uh, selected to do a, a sculpture for the um, class of 2017 for the Thomas Jefferson High School of Science uh, and Technology over in Alexandria. Mm-hmm. So that'll be a neat project and um, put in for some grants uh, with the aquatic resources for the Aquatic Resources Center with the Department of the Environment, a stormwater grant to do um, sort of a diorama. Uh, in a hallway, uh, sort of two, two sides of a hallway. So you walk through it of shad migration. Oh. Yeah, so the, the shad is the state uh, animal of, of D.C. or the state fish of D.C. And um, we're also going to be uh, proposing a, a large shad sculpture to go outside the building as a way of, of drawing visitors in. So that will be another grant I'll be applying for. That will be more of a three-dimensional piece. 
So, so just staying just a little busy. Just a little busy. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's good. So we can see your work all around the city and the surrounding areas. Yeah, yes. no, it's it's really been neat. I've been was an architect for many years, and so it's nice to uh, to be sort of more locally involved uh, with my projects. Yeah. Um, so uh, if our listeners want to see some of your work, do you have sure. stuff on your website? Yes. Yeah, that's a, probably the best place. It's charlesbergenstudios.com if you just uh google charles and then bergen b-e-r-g-e-n artist you'll you'll it'll come up and there's a website there and there's some there's a video of uh, some fun stuff we did at the um arts park dance places arts park over on h street uh, and then there are pdfs you can download to get more information on each of the projects very good i love it we have a lot of or i always say this but we have so much art talent in uh, yeah. our neighborhood uh, and um you know michelle you brought up a, a good question earlier about you know how to how to how to charles decide what to put in those things uh, in those call boxes uh he early on um i know you did a lot of of visiting of yeah. anc and civic association meetings with drawings sure. to solicit feedback about you know the, the content and yep. um so there was there was quite a bit of community involvement engagement. and engagement yeah. in in making the selections and I'm thrilled about them. I, I cannot wait for them to go up. Number one, I'm I'm just thrilled to to see those pieces of history, not the those very tangible pieces of history of the actual call boxes, not disappearing and and uh, acknowledgement of all of the varieties of history on Rhode Island Avenue being encapsulated in. Um, in the renovation of them. Yeah, so. and it right. looks like yeah. we'll be able to enjoy it right in time for Porch Fest. Yes, we'll, we'll push at push to get as much as we've done yeah. by then. At least very a couple cool. of them. Great. Yeah, very good. Well, Charles, thanks so much Thank for you very much. visiting us. Thank and you. Um, we'll be, uh, like I said, we'll be putting uh, the, the drawings of the different call boxes as well as um, a link to your website on, on our website and sharing it out on social media. Great. So everybody can um, be excited about the the uh, rolling out of the of the boxes great thank you very much thank you both thank you okay so that is going to wrap up another episode of rhode island avenue radio thanks everyone for tuning in um and uh we'll see you next week next week thanks Bye. bye